Would you pray with me? Gracious God, as we open your word, we ask that your spirit would be here. God, we ask that your spirit would illumine for us the things that are beyond our comprehension, are beyond our understanding, the things that we don't want to hear, the things that we have known all along, but we choose not to acknowledge. God, I ask that your spirit would do the things that I cannot, would explain the things that I'm limited in, would convey the things that only you and your connection to us as your people could convey. Be with us now in this place. God, open your word to us that we might find life. And we pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've been talking about living according to the flesh, according to the spirit. And I've tried to help you open up the understanding of what it means to live in the flesh. And it's not just physical or or carnal things, but living in the flesh is operating and thinking and conducting ourselves on a shorter level of understanding and a lesser level of being than what the spirit of Christ and the work of Christ on the cross has made possible for us. And looking at Paul's letter to the Romans, we have seen where he's taken this understanding of living in the flesh and understanding that it pays out death. And the result of that is isolation from God, um, not only in, in eternity, but even here in the present form, and that we can live as people who profess belief, but never experience the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we talked last week uh, about the fact that there's suffering that is going to happen in the life of a believer. If we are going to believe that Jesus Christ came and offered us new life and told us that we are to live differently than the world, then we have to acknowledge the reality that there is going to be suffering as a result of that. Now, everybody in this room can acknowledge that at least one point in your life you've suffered for something. You've suffered over something, either something somebody did or something that's happened to you naturally whatsoever. So suffering, the idea of suffering is not a foreign concept to us. But for some reason, when we think of suffering in relationship to our faith and being Christians, for many of us, it is a turnoff. And a lot of times that turnoff happens before we even realize it. That turnoff comes in the form of, well, we just don't want to take part in that mission activity. Well, we'll trust that somebody else will step up and do what needs to be done. And so the idea of being discomforted or or put out or displaced uh, is really something that keeps a lot of us from ever truly experiencing the work of Jesus Christ. But I told you last week that that suffering that happens in our lives is something that God is able to use to produce even better things for us if we trust him and if we believe him. But the reality of it is, is that so many of us are caught living in our flesh and paying attention to the things that the world is placing before us that we never actually hear the spirit of God when it speaks. So Paul is talking to the Roman believers about the importance of fashioning for yourself a a day of a lifestyle 
where you make it possible to hear the Spirit speak. So this week I was reading a post where somebody was trying to be clever and post something about God for all the non-believers to see. And they made the statement that not believing in God is like ordering at a restaurant and not trusting that there's a cook in the back preparing your meal. That is potentially one of the worst things that you could ever compare God to. Anybody in here ever had a bad experience in the food service industry? Yeah. It happens, and it's not because those people are maliciously trying to ruin your dining experience. When you're trying to cook for that many people, things happen. Sometimes there's maliciousness in there, but, you know, some, some people deserve that. That's another, that's another sermon for another day. But this statement that was trying to say that, you know, you can trust in God and believe that God is there, very quickly turned around with responses like, well, in reality... Having faith in God is like ordering over and over again with no results. Having faith in God is like getting what you need over what you actually ordered. Believing in God is really like the cook waiting until they're good and ready to get your order ready. Has anybody ever had a prayer experience with God like that before? God, if you could do this for me, I'd really appreciate it. And the exact opposite happens. I remember one time we were on a trip, we were towing a cargo trailer, and we could tell that the tire was whomping a little bit. And I was like, God, if you'll just get us to this exit, I would be eternally grateful. Wow! Fender goes flying off the trailer. You know the story. So we're in the middle of six lanes of traffic. The only thing you can do is limp that joker across the road. Thanks, God, for not answering that prayer. Or that, God, if you could really make this happen like this, it would be eternally grateful to you. And instead, it happens totally how you don't want it to. Everything plays out exactly how you did not want it to happen. Well, sometimes God gives us what you need over what you want. That's not what I prayed for. I didn't pray for what I needed. I prayed for what I wanted. And so for many several replies, what you saw were responses from people that do not believe in God, that did not profess faith in Jesus Christ, just completely obliterate this statement. And me and my own cynical form of person was sitting there going, well, anybody dumb enough to make a statement like that deserves to be obliterated. You cannot compare God to a short order cook. But the reality of it is, is that's how 99% of us live our prayer life. God is a short order cook. Everything's going good. We give him a tip. God, thank you for today. It was beautiful. You're such a great God. I love you so much. Things aren't going our way. We're like, you know, God, if you could take the peppers off of life right now, I'd really appreciate this dish a lot more. And we go to God with a list of things that we want, things that we'd like to see happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's big enough, well, God must not be listening to me. Well, God must not be real. Well, obviously, I don't matter to God if he's going to do this anyways. That's the reality of prayer for a lot of us, is that God is an on-call, short-order cook to serve up what we want, when we want it, and how we need it. But the reality of it is, is for many of us, our prayers are not returning to us the things that we need them to return to us. When we think with a fleshly understanding, we see God as somebody who is there to make everything good. And when bad things happen, we begin to question God. We begin to doubt God. We begin to get this look other places to get the things that we want. That's what operating in a fleshly mindset does for us. But Paul said, if you are going to believe in Christ, 
and you are going to trust in the spirit of Christ, then you need to establish for yourself something greater because suffering is going to happen. Life is going to get hard. Tires are going to blow out on the journey. But listen to these words that he says next. You got your Bible. We're going to read verse 18 through 30. I really wanted to go all the way through the rest of the chapter, but that's going to be a lot for y'all, so we'll, we'll, we'll extend it out a few weeks. But listen to these verses, 18 through 30. Yet what we suffer now, brothers and sisters, is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved, for if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for those believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave to them his glory. Do you hear those words? This is one of those passages where I was like, God, it would be a lot easier just to skip this passage because I'm going to miss something very important. There's a lot of important things in this passage that we just read that is crucial for us to understand and honestly to think on every single second of every single day. This is the outlook that comes with living according to the spirit that gives life. Verse 18, the very first verse, it says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will be revealed later. Nothing compared to it. Paul wrote similarly to the Corinthian church when he said, Our momentary afflictions are light in comparison and producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. You ever had a tough time before? You ever had something happen you thought it was going to be the end of the world? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. This is one of the passages of Scripture that I hope I never have to live out. To be quite honest with you, I hope I never have to rely on this passage of Scripture to get me through a day. Because the reality of it is, is that there is some suffering going on when we have to remember that God sees us in light of eternity and not in our immediate situation we forget sometimes that God is bigger than the picture that we're seeing. We forget sometimes that although we're seeing the picture, God is the one with the brush in his hand. 
And I told you about the oil painting before, how it's got to look terrible before the masterpiece is finished. And if you take the best painting in the world and you look at a small little picture of it, you're never going to see what the artist intended until you zoom out and you see the whole thing. But Paul says that our afflictions in this life should be considered light compared to what God has promised is waiting for us in eternity. And the rest of the chapter really goes on and throws out some good stuff there. But if you'll notice, Paul doesn't just talk about the believer and the afflictions that they experience. He says all of creation. Now, we know that the world has fallen, and we remember from Genesis where the things that God intended to happen that were bumping along great and gravy in the Garden of Eden all kind of went downhill when Adam and Eve you know, did their thing and were cast out. And We can look at the world. I mean, we're in a different location because things going on in the broken world, right? Tornadoes, hurricanes, or if you're in California, you get a hurricane and an earthquake all at one time and inflation and no electricity to charge your electric car. List goes on and on. Bad things happen. But Paul says all creation eagerly groans for the day when God is going to restore all things. So imagine that you live in a world where you're not the only one struggling. Imagine that you're in a world where other people are hurting, where the world itself is hurting. But Paul tells us that God is still working in the midst of all of that. He says, with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom. With eager hope. How many of you start your days out with eager hope? How many of you, when you're having a rough day, go, thank God for hope? I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times in life where the only thing I've been able to say is, Thank God that tomorrow morning is a new day. Or I've messed things up enough where like, all I can do, God, is start again tomorrow because I got nothing left today. Paul says that as believers living according to the spirit that gives life, we begin to see that there is something more at work. That even through our afflictions, through our trials, through our hard times, God is up to something just as he is in the world. We can all admit that the world's a pretty cool place, isn't it? Even though we have wars and, and a lot of things that happen usually because of people. But the, the world's a beautiful place, isn't it? Every single one of us in this room has one place that we'd rather be today. Be at the beach or the lake or a lazy boy watching. Is football started yet? Almost. Watching preseason football. We all have one thing about this world that we love. And Paul says, in that brokenness, it is still groaning as with the pains of childbirth. I'll be honest with you. The most scared I've ever been of Whitney was right before she gave birth. I'll be honest with you. She's an intimidating gal anyways. But right before she gave birth and those birth pains really started up, guys, you know what I'm talking about? That's a, that's a scary time because you know the wrong word, the wrong move, you could lose a limb. And Paul says that's how our experience is here on this earth. There's those birth pains that cause pain, that cause fear, that cause uncertainty. What's happening? I've never seen this. What's going down here? But once that child is born, all of it was worth it. Paul says that's what a perspective based on the spirit of life gives us. is the perspective that the pains and the afflictions of this life are not only necessary... 
but they're so very worth it. But he says, even in the midst of those things, knowing that it's going to be okay, we can have hope, we can trust, and we can be at peace. Here's the big one. We can be at peace in the midst of verse 23. As we believers, we also groan. Even though the Holy Spirit is within us, we have a foretaste of glory. We know how it's supposed to be. We know how it's eventually going to be. But right now, what do we do about it? Because we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We long for the things that we fall short on to no longer plague us. So Paul says that we wait for hope when the day will God the, the day that God will give us the fullness of our rights as his adopted children including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given a hope when we were saved, right? If you weren't given hope when you were saved, what was the point of your being saved? When you prayed the prayer and your perspective didn't change, why did you pray the prayer? You don't get a million dollars fire insurance with it. Something was to happen. You were to be given a new hope, believing and trusting in something else. He said if we already have something, we don't have to hope for it, but we begin to look forward to it. You know, Paul was one of those psychopaths that actually, I think, enjoyed the hardships because he knew that all the things that happened that were hard in this life were going to make what was happening later on down the road so much better. He said it was worth it. So if you're struggling today, if you're having a hard time and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, not only are you going to get through these tough times, but Paul says you can rejoice in them. You can rejoice in them. You can rejoice in the fact that your life is so out of tune with the world that it causes pain. Because listen to these next words. Are you ready? Verse 26. The Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. Amen. We don't have to figure out all the answers. We don't got to do all the work. That's big stuff. But it's not just anybody helping us. It's not like the plumber showing up fixing the clogged drain. It's the Spirit of God, the one who created the world. We don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with things that we can't understand or express in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So God knows what our heart is saying. God knows what our deepest struggle is, our deepest fear, our deepest turmoil is. And he says that his Spirit pleads for us. That God would do something and God would work within us to get harmony with his will. Verse 28, one of the best verses in all scripture. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So believer, hear those words today. If something bad is happening, if something is terrible and you feel like it's the end of the world, you can rejoice in it because God is working in you for something good. The very worst that can happen to you in this world, God can do something amazing with it. And if you would not focus on your immediate perspective, but trust and hope and the perspective of the one who has the greater picture, Paul said that it doesn't even compare. It's not even worth considering in light of what God is using that to create in you for an eternity. So six months of terrible 
in light of eternity of awesome. I'd say that's worth it, isn't it? Paul would maybe even say the more that you suffer in this life, the greater it's going to be in the life to come. Am I right? A starving person enjoys the buffet a lot more than the person that's already ate, right? So we can have hope in our sufferings because of the future glory of God. And he said, he chose them and he called them to come to them. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Salvation, that's right. We want that, don't we? That's what it's all about. And in giving them right standing, he gave them his glory. So understand, you didn't just make a decision to swap your set of rules and live in a different part of society. But with your decision to follow Jesus Christ, you were opened up to the bigger picture. You were opened up to the bigger power. You were opened up to a perspective that doesn't think of a higher power as a short order cook. But you were opened up to the reality of the understanding that, yes, you live in a broken society. Yes, you are naturally a fleshly being with shortfalls, with downfalls, with faults and failures. But the reality of it is, is because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has given you his spirit. He has given you his power. He has given you hope based not on you, but on him. And he says the things that you will experience in this life, even if they're the fault of your own decisions, are nothing compared to what God is wanting to establish for you in eternity. But the cool news is, is we don't have to wait just for eternity. We can live in the fullness of that spirit now. Paul says if we can order our lives to see things through the perspective of God, if we can order ourselves to trust in the working of God and his spirit over our abilities and our situations, Paul said, then we can enjoy that peace. We can enjoy that hope. We can enjoy our afflictions. We can enjoy our hardships because we know that that's nothing compared to what's coming down the road. It is nothing. So my challenge for you is this. When you think about living life in the flesh versus living life in the spirit, I want you to weigh everything according to what God has promised is coming about that eternal glory that waits, but then also the glory that is present now. What would it look like if God's people, if God's church lived in the presence, in his glory, in his perspective, in his purpose? That's how the world gets changed. That's how lives get changed. That's how people get a glimpse of the things that we hope for is when we live according to the spirit of God that is alive and that is working in us now. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, I thank you for the words of Paul. God, thank you for the message of this passage of scripture. God, your spirit brings within us a struggle to discern whether or not it is you making the call or it is our own selfish desires making the call. And God, with that, we, we groan not knowing what is in store or who we're supposed to be. 
But God, we give you thanks that in your word, you lay it out for us. You don't lay it out in wisdom that the world sees and understands, but God, you lay it out in a wisdom that is sure on the working of your spirit within us. And God, I I ask that as your church, as your people, God, as individuals, that we would begin to see you and to understand you, not according to our abilities, but we would rely on the spirit to make you known to reveal you to us. God, we know that there's going to be suffering. But let us learn to embrace it. Let us learn to enjoy it. And maybe even if we're crazy, desire it. Because we know that when our lives are out of tune with the world, that means they're in tune with you. That we're trusting in you to work in us. That we're trusting that all the things that are happening within us and to us are for a greater glory. God, let us live trusting in you and believing in your son, Jesus Christ, who calls us to live a better way. That we might experience Jesus Christ and we might make him known to the world. We pray all this in his precious and holy name. Amen.